Tonight's bedtime story is called The Land Bird Rampant, and a cooler writer would have actually made up all the rules to Warfarer's Boon and then posted this somewhere so you could actually play it, but I didn't do that. Let's begin. King Marion sat across the game board from Lord Clifton. They were in the royal game room playing Warfarer's Boon by Candlelight. Lord Clifton was taking forever to decide on his next move, a playstyle that drove King Marion nuts, especially since he, as the creator of Warfarer's Boon, had specifically designed it to discourage cautious consideration of each decision, a fact of which Lord Clifton was well aware. But he was probably trying to make a statement. At last Lord Clifton stirred. He moved his fenceman forward one space. There, he said. King Marion sat forward, took hold of his land bird, and once again set about laying waste to Lord Clifton's army, slaying the once-born, the minor axe, the major axe, the ripener, the hand-unfolder, and the goodly huntress. I think that about does me in, said Lord Clifton, rubbing one of his eyes with one of his hands. Nonsense, said King Marion, there's always a chance in warfarer's boon. So you say, said Lord Clifton, and I guess you would know. I've told you several times, said King Marion. I've explained it to you over and over. I just don't understand all the rules, said Lord Clifton. That's not what's holding you back, and you know it, said King Marion. It's your refusal to embrace the aggressive spirit of the game. Sure, said Lord Clifton. Fine. That's fine for a game. But, in real life, you're not taking the army to meet King Vernon's forces in the field. We're staying here, behind our walls, and we're waiting him out. We're well supplied, our walls are tall and thick, and we've got plenty of men to man them should King Vernon attempt to storm them. And I know that you're the king, we all know that you're the king, but I'm just telling you, if you oppose us on this, you will not be the king for long. Everyone agrees, the whole council, we will not let you lead us to ruin. King Marion stood in silence, refusing to meet Lord Clifton's eyes, staring at the game board on which he, with his relentless attacking style, was dominating, as he always did when he was allowed to follow his true nature, whether that be in a game of Warfarer's Boon or while leading an army in real life. He'd never told anyone this, but the Landbird piece in Warfarer's Boon was designed after a real person, himself. King Vernon's tent was large and opulent. He sat on a throne that did not look especially portable. King Marion pitied the servants responsible for lugging it around from conquest to conquest. King Vernon did a lot of conquering. King Marion had considered King Vernon an inspiration for his successful conquest of his own current kingdom, and now here they were, adversaries. King Marion, said King Vernon with a condescending smile. He was flanked by his four generals, all standing, all looking as if they'd prefer to be sitting. Lord Clifton had told King Marion their names, but he'd already forgotten all of them. King Vernon, said King Marion, giving him a little dip of his head. He had no intention of slaying anyone during this negotiation, but he couldn't help but plan how he'd do it if he had to. It was second nature to him. He was always in attack mode, even alone in a room full of hostile warriors. King Marion had been accompanied to King Vernon's encampment by an armed escort, of course, but they had been forced to wait outside the tent during the negotiations. It's late, said King Vernon. Can we just skip to the bottom line? Of course, said King Marion. I don't want to be here all night, and I'm sure you don't either. No, said King Vernon. I do not. But here's what I want to make sure that I say, said King Marion. I want to be certain that you understand that if I had my way, I would be meeting you in the field tomorrow. My army versus your army, head to head, on horseback and on foot, face to face, eye to eye, hand to hand. Why don't you? asked King Vernon. Because, said King Marion, visibly uncomfortable, 
My advisors have advised me that it would not be in the best interest of my kingdom, which I don't agree with. King Vernon fiddled with his newish black beard. So, he said, who cares what your advisors say if you think they're wrong? Bring your army into the field tomorrow. Let's solve this like warriors. Exactly, said King Marion. That's exactly how I want to handle this. So it's a deal? asked King Vernon. Well, no, said King Marion. Why not? asked King Vernon. I already told you, said King Marion. I'm heeding the advice of my advisors, unfortunately. But that could very well be temporary, very temporary. Let me just tell you what I heard, said King Vernon. I heard that your advisors are running the show over there and that you have no real power. I heard you're just a figurehead who the advisors keep propped up to keep your subjects from panicking. In fact, I'm guessing the only reason you're the one who came to negotiate with me is because your advisors don't want me to be aware of how impotent the great warrior king, King Marion, is right now. Ha ha, said King Marion. You're way off, King Vernon. Who did you say told you all this? What was his name? Or her name? I only ask because whoever it was is really good at making up fanciful tales and I'd like to offer him or her a job as my royal bard. What do you think of that? If I was just a figurehead, would I be able to hire a new bard at will? So, said King Vernon, assuming you even know your advisor's real plan, you guys are just going to hide behind your walls until I storm them or you starve to death? Or, said King Marion, until we come pouring out of the gates like a swarm of demonic insects, devouring everything on our path, routing your army, and sending those of you we don't slaughter scampering home to have nightmares about us every time you close your eyes until you die in some other, uh, way. King Vernon cracked a smile. He had teeth that belonged in a better era of human history. Tell your advisors I accept no terms short of complete surrender. I want your kingdom, King Marion, and nothing short of defeating me in battle will dissuade me from my pursuit thereof. I will tell my advisors, said King Marion, so that they can advise me, and then I can, as the king, the ultimate authority in my kingdom, make a decision. Whatever helps you sleep at night, said King Vernon. King Marion's advisors were of one mind. The fact that King Vernon had openly challenged King Marion's ability to meet him on the field of battle as befit two great warrior kings didn't bother the advisors whatsoever. Stop whining, said Lady Helena. We're staying inside our walls until King Vernon dashes his army against them or goes away. What if he builds siege engines, asked King Marion. What then? You used up all the suitable wood in the region for your siege engines when you conquered this city two years ago, said Lord Hisselthorpe. As you may have noticed then, if not any time since then, your kingdom is almost entirely bereft of decent trees, your highness. Lord Hisselthorpe was the only advisor who still addressed King Marion like a king, although that didn't stop him from speaking out against King Marion's wishes at every opportunity. He was a naysayer, a scrawny, mustachioed naysayer. What if he imports the wood for his siege engines, asked King Marion. He may already have the planks in his camp. He hasn't imported any wood, said Lord Clifton. We're monitoring his supply lines. We've told you so many times. Monitoring, said King Marion, leaning back in his council room throne. Your precious spy, feeding you scraps of information like, oh, there are no wooden plaques in the camp. He drummed the fingers of his right hand on his left wrist. So as long as we're talking about spies, we might as well get to the bottom of which one of you three told King Vernon I'm not really in charge over here anymore. You think we're the only ones aware of that fact? asked Lady Helena. The rumors are spreading and it's mostly your doing. You've been telling everyone that you want to attack King Vernon in the field, but that you can't because we're advising against it. 
What kind of message do you think that sends? If you would just publicly support the very sensible idea of letting our defenses defend us, everyone would assume that it's your idea and that you're still calling the shots. Let me explain something to you, said King Marion, rising to his feet, to his full height, all however many feet and however many inches of him, a heated royal man standing upright. I excel at one thing, attacking, being the aggressor. Do any of you understand that? Why do you think I'm your king now and not old King Drogen? Because I attacked him and I took his kingdom from him. I acted swiftly and surely, and I left you, King Drogen's Council of Advisors, in place. Why? Because you understood this kingdom and its inner workings, and I thought you understood me. You certainly led me to believe you understood me, but it seems like I was wrong, because now you want me, me, to focus on our defenses. Don't you see how wrong that is? How backward? King Vernon has more men than us, more resources. He's got a steady stream of supplies into his camp. What do we have? Fewer men, fewer resources, no means by which to get more supplies into the city. And we have my irrepressible aggression, a trait of immense value that only increases in value the less it's expected. I'm the only chance this kingdom has, and you all know it. If you ask me to hang back and wait to be attacked and defend, then you're robbing this kingdom of the only chance it has for survival. You're dooming us all. You owe it to the subjects of this kingdom to let me be me. Yes, yes, said Lord Clifton. The best defense is a good offense. It's a meaningless cliche. We've all... No! shouted King Marion, pounding his flinty fist on the table. The worst offense is wasting valuable time on any defense whatsoever. That is what I'm saying. So, your highness, if defense is so stupid, we should just throw our gates open, said Lord Hisselthorpe. We should just knock down our walls. Yes, said King Marion, if that's what it takes to make you realize that we need to go on the offensive, then yes, we would be better off without gates and walls. King Vernon has no gates or walls, and neither did I when I attacked the city and took this kingdom for my own. You, said Lady Helena, are not a reasonable man, King Marion. I'm going to bed. Me too, said Lord Clifton, rising from his seat at the council table. Wait, hold on, said King Marion. Anyone fancy a game of Warfarer's Boon before bed? Lady Celista, who had been unlucky enough to be visiting King Marion's kingdom for no particular reason when King Vernon laid siege to it and was now trapped therein, was awful at Warfarer's boon. After all the members of his council had turned down his offer for a pre-bed game, King Marion had been forced to roam the halls of his palace in search of willing competition. Lady Celista was the only candidate he'd been able to find who already knew how to play, although she was so bad at it that King Marion got little joy out of defeating her. King Marion had never lost a game of Warfarer's Boon, but at least Lord Clifton put up enough of a fight to make the games last for more than a few minutes. Lady Celista was terrible in a way that defied comprehension. You know, said King Marion, after defeating Lady Celista for the fifth time in twenty minutes, I've never confided this in anyone before, but the Landbird piece? He picked it up off of the board and held it up at eye level, turning it this way and that so Lady Celista could marvel at it if she so chose, which she did not. I designed it after myself. King Marion chuckled. That's right, Lady Celista, the land bird is me. I figured that, said Lady Celista. I mean, you design the game, and it's the best piece. It just runs around dominating the action and killing everyone. Exactly, said King Marion, setting his land bird back on the game board. But if that's so obvious to you, why don't you utilize your land bird piece? Because, said Lady Celista, it's a show-off. One night later, King Marion, in a long, dark cloak, passed out of the city through the small, little-used gate of simplicity. The guards stationed there didn't hesitate for a moment to open the gate for King Marion once they saw who he was. 
To them, he was still the king, the one person to whom you definitely had to listen. King Marion appreciated that about them. Of course, the same guards also let the spy assigned to King Marion by his treacherous advisors waltz right out of the city, too, so that was a mark against them. Fortunately, King Marion had foreseen this development and had hidden in the shadows against the outside of the city wall 20 yards down from the gate. King Marion watched as the spy hurried off in the direction of King Vernon's encampment, no doubt assuming that was the direction King Marion had gone. King Marion gave the spy a short head start, then followed after him, ready to drop to his stomach in the dirt at any moment if the spy's silhouette were to turn to face in his direction. But the spy didn't turn. He must have been baffled as to how King Marion had gotten so far ahead of him in such a short time. The spy hurried all the way to a huge flat rock a hundred yards from King Vernon's camp, where he stopped to survey the scene for any sign of King Marion among the enemy tents. That's where King Marion sneaked up on him and knocked him out cold with the hilt of his sword. King Vernon was still awake, sitting in his throne room and eating grapes that a servant was warming one by one over a candle flame. I thought you'd have to be roused, said King Marion. No, said King Vernon, I never sleep. Well, rarely. All four of my generals hate me. Any one of them would be capable of sending an assassin to murder me in my sleep. My one consolation is that they all hate each other at least as much as they hate me, so none of them get any sleep either. Ah, said King Marion. Yeah, my advisors hate me too. I don't think they'd try to assassinate me, but they did try to have a spy follow me here tonight. He hoped King Vernon would ask him what had become of the spy, but he didn't. It's rough, said King Vernon. I'm the only one keeping this army intact. Without me, these four generals would turn on each other instantly. He didn't seem at all concerned that King Marion was hearing this. King Marion was a little insulted that King Vernon didn't consider him enough of a threat to conceal such an interesting bit of information. Or maybe he was just feeling really open right now. I've got the opposite problem, said King Marion. I'm barely relevant in my own kingdom. I'm just an obstacle for people to step around and then get back to doing whatever they want. So why are you here, asked King Vernon. It's funny, said King Marion. A couple of years ago, I had my army camped right where your armies camp now. I envy you so much. You don't know how much I wish we could switch places. In fact, who knows, if you hadn't decided to come after my kingdom, I might have been on your doorstep with my army in the next few months. Maybe so, said King Vernon. He ate another warmed grape and made a face. Maybe it had been too warm. Anyway, said King Marion, I hate sitting inside my walls and just waiting to defend them, and I don't have command of my own army. And even if I decided to throw myself into the plan to defend, that's not where my strength lies, and without taking advantage of its king's natural strengths, my kingdom is nothing going for it, really. Nothing important. My point is that my kingdom is doomed to fall to you, and I know it. So why don't I just lower a rope from the ruined tower on the western wall so a few of your men can get into the city and, I don't know, open a gate for your army or capture my advisors and force them to beg me to concede in exchange for their lives or something? King Vernon did not react to the suggestion. He just kept taking warmed grapes from his servant and eating them. Not enjoying the king life, he finally said. So what, you pin the lowering of the rope on someone else? Or what, don't pin it on anyone in particular and the culprit is never found? You just lower the rope, go back to bed, and wait for us to come for you in the night? That way you lose your kingdom by treachery and no one blames you for the loss? You're undone by circumstances beyond your control? You can spend the rest of your life telling people how you are planning to bring your army into the field to face me the next day, but that darn traitor spoiled everything? You've had similar thoughts, said King Mary, and I can tell. No, said King Vernon, but I've conquered a lot of kingdoms. Kings are weak. Do we have a deal? asked King Marion, ignoring the insult. 
It has to be tonight. This is my opportunity. I've already got the rope stashed in the ruined tower. I'll get a small squad together, said King Vernon, and I'll have the generals start readying the other troops. Go back to your city and wait in the ruined tower. When you hear this whistle, King Vernon whistled a distinctive whistle, then drop the rope to us. We'll take care of the rest. After this is all over, said King Marion, you and I should play a game or two of Warfarer's Boon. I think you'd be a real challenge. I've never heard of it, said King Vernon, but I like games. King Marion chuckled the whole way back to the city as he imagined King Vernon's face twisting in outrage and agony as the land bird ran rampant through his pieces, methodically slaying them all, winning the game. The ruined tower was ruined because King Marion hadn't bothered to have anyone repair it since it had been ruined during his attack on the city two years before. Now as he sat there among the ruins, waiting for King Vernon's whistle, King Marion was glad he hadn't devoted any time or resources to fixing the tower. It was going to be King Vernon's problem now. He would probably fix it right away, though. He definitely seemed more organized than King Marion, more practical. King Marion shivered and blew into his chilly hands. There was still time to not go through with this. He could just not throw the rope down when he heard the whistle. He could just go back to his chambers now, go to bed, and never even hear the whistle. In the morning, it would be like none of this had happened. King Vernon would think he was a flake, but big deal, they were already enemies. King Marion stood and walked over to the piece of stonework to which he'd tied one end of the rope, the rest of which was lying coiled in a heap on the floor. Then he walked over to the hole in the tower wall that one of his catapults had put there. He stuck his head out and looked down. He couldn't see anything. It was far too dark. He returned to his seat on a pile of rubble. King Marion would not miss being king. Taking the city had been the only part he enjoyed. That and the fact that, as king, people felt obligated to play warfare as boon with him when he asked. And then King Marion heard it. The whistle. It sounded exactly as King Vernon had demonstrated that it would. King Marion stood and walked over to the rope. Would he pick it up? He picked it up. He turned to face the gaping hole in the wall of the tower. Would he walk toward the hole, rope in hand? He did, stopping a foot short of the edge. Would he throw the rope down to the enemy waiting below? He did. A few moments later, someone down on the ground gave the rope a few sharp yanks, testing its reliability. Then the rope went taut, creaking and straining but holding firm. After a while, King Marion heard grunting and panting, the scuffling of boots on stone, and then hands appeared and a head and a man with a sword on his back pulled himself up into the tower. King Marion didn't recognize the man. Just some soldier, probably. It made sense. They'd have to send up someone lowly before risking the climb with someone more important. You made it, said King Marion, stepping out of the shadows. The soldier gasped, staggering against a wall and struggling to get his sword off of his back. Whoa, sorry, said King Marion. It's me. I mean, I'm the one who lowered the rope. The soldier sighed with relief. His right hand clamped over his heart. You scared me so badly. I didn't see you there. They told me there would probably be no one here when I got up, but I was supposed to make sure. But you were so hard to see in the shadows, I thought we were all clear. But then... I just wanted to make sure it worked all right, said King Marion. I couldn't test it before you guys got here, obviously. He didn't add how he'd been considering reneging on the deal up until the last possible second. Well, I made it just fine, said the soldier. It's a long climb, but the fear of falling keeps you going. The adrenaline helps. He walked over to the opening in the tower wall and whistled down to his compatriots below. The same whistle as before, but with worse tone and pitch overall. Then, as the rope grew taut and began to groan again, the soldier stood between King Marion and the hole, a little to the side, and drew his sword very casually. He didn't say anything or make any threatening gestures, but King Marion could tell when he was being guarded. Time passed. 
Sometimes the rope would stop creaking and moving for a while, but it never went slack. King Marion could tell that the soldier was nervous as he kept his eyes fixed mostly on the hole and the rope disappearing over its edge, but every once in a while he'd glance back at King Marion and give him a nervous, everything-is-fine smile. And then, after even more time passed, including several more excruciating pauses, hands and a head at last appeared above the edge of the hole. Relieved, the soldier took one step toward the figure climbing up into the tower. But that was all he had time to do before the figure uttered a curse and, hands fumbling, then flailing, disappeared. One moment, King Marion saw the figure's silhouette coming slowly into view against the slightly less dark sky behind it, and the next moment the figure was gone. The soldier froze, one hand extended toward the hole. After what seemed like a minute, but was probably more like a few seconds, King Marion heard a distant thud, and then, a few moments after that, the voices of men, angry, afraid, shocked. Who was that? asked King Marion. The soldier didn't respond. Instead, he walked over to the edge of the hole and looked down. King Marion followed him, stood beside him. Was that who I think it was? asked King Marion. He insisted, said the soldier, his voice hollow. He insisted on being the second person up the rope. He said it was his right as the conqueror, the primary conqueror. Huh, said King Marion. I guess he wasn't that practical after all. We're done for, said the soldier. The generals will be at each other's throats as soon as they receive word. The whole camp will divide, will fight. He paused, then turned to look at King Marion. But, he said, his eyes narrowing, I can still... Nope, said King Marion, and he shoved the soldier out through the hole in the wall of the ruined tower. The hole his catapult had put there, remember? It was all kind of perfect. He started pulling the rope back up before he even heard the second thump. King Marion cut the secured end of the rope loose from the piece of stonework and tossed the rope among the rubble. Then he went down the crumbling steps of the tower, out into the street, back to the royal palace, up to his chambers, and to bed. I've modified the rules, said King Marion as he set up the Warfarer's Boon game board on the table in the royal game room. Lord Clifton, seated in the chair across the table from King Marion, sighed and his posture worsened. He was not comporting himself like the top advisor to the king of a kingdom that had been under siege until sometime late last night and now miraculously was not. He did not do the polite thing and ask King Marion to explain the new rules. These, said King Marion, holding up a stack of unevenly cut squares of parchment, are boon cards, or simply, boons. I thought the title Warfarer's Boon referred to an aggressive spirit, said Lord Clifton. It did, said King Marion, and it still does. But now it's also much more literal. The more aggressive you are, specifically with your land bird, then the more boon cards or boons you accrue. And then, if you're ever in a tough spot, a situation in which escape seems impossible, you can turn over one of your boon cards or boons and see how the land bird's commitment to aggression has turned fortune in your favor. You can... I get it, I get it, said Lord Clifton. Fortune favors the bold. No, shouted King Marion, pounding the game table with his fist. The bold don't earn fortune's favor. The bold don't care who fortune favors. The bold make fortune grant them boons through the power of their boldness. Listen, said Lord Clifton, I know you want to take credit for whatever happened to King Vernon's army, but you got lucky. Just like you did when you were laying siege to this city and King Drogen's senile brother received King Drogen's plea for help and promptly took his army to assist their other brother who was not under siege. None of that could have happened if I hadn't been aggressive, said King Marion. Right, said Lord Clifton. Sure. Winners make their own luck. Whatever. Wrong, shouted King Marion. Winners? Uh, well, okay. Aggression? Let's just play. 
For the first time, it seemed as if Lord Clifton was really trying to win the game. He was aggressive, he moved his land bird around with reckless abandon, but it wasn't enough. King Marion won handily. He didn't even have to use any of the many boon cards or boons he had accrued. This is what scares me, said Lord Clifton. You think it means something. Everywhere you look, you just see giant hands giving you giant thumbs up. That's right, said King Marion. I'm proud of that. That confidence is what makes my aggressive nature possible. I wasn't supposed to tell you this, said Lord Clifton. But we, meaning me and the other advisors, had spies spreading dissension in that camp from the moment King Vernon showed up. We had those generals hating each other, hating King Vernon. We had it under control. All we had to do was hang back and let their camp self-destruct. The only thing that could have ruined our plan was you charging out to fight them in the field. So I don't know why you're so smug. I don't know why you're so pleased with yourself. I don't know what you think you did, but whatever happened, it had nothing to do with your aggressive nature. Why didn't you tell me about the plan, asked King Marion. Because, said Lord Clifton, you would have blown it somehow, on accident because you're dumb, or on purpose because it didn't fit in with your all-important self-image. Did you know that King Vernon always, always, always executed the kings of the kingdoms he conquered? I wouldn't have blown it, said King Marion. I only ever wanted what's best for this kingdom. He felt ill as he shuffled the boon cards or boons. Let's play another game. No, said Lord Clifton, pushing his chair back from the table and standing up. I'm never playing this stupid game again. He slammed the door to the game room behind him when he left, leaving King Marion alone with the game board, all the lesser pieces, both land birds, and all the boon cards. All the boons. I'm Adam Drent. You can listen to my bedtime stories on iTunes at hugepop.com or by using the Bedtime Stories app for iPhone or Android. Also at hugepop.com, you can read the stories and find discussion questions for all but the earliest ones. You can also donate money there if that would make you happy. I have another podcast called Out of All Doors that I make with my friends, and it's on iTunes as well. You can also find the music I make by clicking the button that says The Mispronouncer on hugepop.com. If you want to get in touch, email me at adamdran at gmail.com, find me on Twitter where I'm at hugepop, or call or text me at 574-518-1983. And I'd also appreciate it if you rated and or reviewed this podcast on iTunes, but only if you want to. Thanks. Thanks.